Hello and welcome to the Wild Cornwall podcast, brought to you by Cornwall Wildlife Trust. My name's Tom and in this episode we'll be finding out all about hedgehogs and what wonderful creatures they are, but also why we should be concerned about their decline. I spoke with conservation apprentice Ella Lazic. Good morning, Ella. Really nice to be here with you and welcome to the Wild Cornwall podcast. Well, thank you. <laughs> and you are um, our conservation apprentice. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What do you do in your role? So I basically do a little bit of everything. Um, my main role is focusing on Operation Hedgehog, but I also get involved in other projects such as the Badger Project, Beaver Project, and I also do a little bit of dormice work as well. So a bit of everything. Lots of different things. And yeah. you're enjoying it? Yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. I, I love absorbing all sorts of information. So it's like, yeah, great time for me. <laughs> great. And when, when did you start that role? I started this role this year, March, uh, beginning of March. And yeah, lots has happened since then <laughs> and I bet it's been quite a steep learning curve as well yeah but I don't mind that <laughs> it's right. quite interesting good so what's the best bit what's what's really Ooh, been the good? best bit is um, teaching people that it doesn't take that much to make a massive impact on like wildlife and stuff because people think that oftentimes it needs to be someone a lot higher than them that has to do a massive change but all it takes is something little like a bug hotel or creating wild areas in your garden that has a massive impact and I love teaching people that it doesn't take that much. Great. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about um, hedgehogs particularly. What yeah. is Operation Hedgehog all about? So Operation Hedgehog is a collaboration between uh, the Cornwall Wildlife Trust, Prickles and Paws, the University of Exeter and Cornwall Mammal Group. Um, it was started after the hedgehog was now classified on the red list, which is uh, vulnerable for British mammals, so they could potentially um, go extinct in the next however long. Um, so it was set up because we knew that hedgehogs have been declining massively for years, um, but because they're so elusive, we don't really know exact numbers, um, but we're guessing there's around a million or even less in the UK now. Um, even in the 70s, there was like 36 million and yeah, not doing great. But um, Operation Hedgehog is to do with, um, basically we want to find out more about surveying them, so kind of yeah, surveying them to figure out where they are and why they're in those places, but also getting involved with um, landowners and developers so that they can create land which is also helpful for hedgehogs in the future, um, but also to encourage um, people, members of the public to get involved and learn more about hedgehogs and what they can do. Okay, so it does sound like we should be worried about hedgehogs really. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what makes them special creatures? Why are they worth saving? Yeah, so um, a lot of people don't really realise that they're endangered in the first place, which is really worrying because they are, they're not doing so great. Um, but they're amazing because they are known as an indicator species. So they let us know when a habitat is healthy. So if there's a hedgehog about, we know that that area is healthy um, in terms of there's enough uh, food for everything, there's enough vegetation, there's basically everything that they need. So if we know hedgehogs in certain areas, we know that that area is good, so we can hopefully implicate what we're doing there to other places to improve other areas. Mm. So yeah, they're really important with that, but they also help manage um, pests and insects as well in a lot of areas, like a lot of people's gardens get invaded with slugs and snails, and hedgehogs can help kind of maintain that and keep the numbers down. So tell, tell me about what they eat, so slugs and snails presumably, mm. what, else, what else is in their diet? Pretty much anything. I mean, they have quite a similar diet to badgers, um, but obviously less, um, so they'll eat anything that they can grab. Um, 
because they're opportunistic omnivores, so anything that they can grab, but it's mainly um, bugs and other critters around. Okay, kind of things you and I probably don't want to yeah. eat that much. <laughs> and what are they? What kind of creature are they? So they, they're a mammal, but they're more in the rodent family um, because their skeletons are actually very similar to a rat, um, which we don't really see because they're just a ball of spines. But yeah, they're in a rodent family, um, just yeah, like a rat. <laughs> okay, and what, what about the spines? Why have they got them? And, and so, how many have they got? Yeah. What has your average hedgehog got? <laughs> yeah, so the average adult has between five to 7,000 spines. Um, 7,000? Yeah, they can Amazing. have quite a lot. I mean, yeah, someone spent a long day <laughs> counting <laughs> them out. Um, but yeah, basically these spines are one inch modified hairs. So they're basically just, yeah, fortified hairs, which keep them protected because hedgehogs lack a flight and fight instinct. So if they get scared, they don't run away or attack. They just curl up into their ball, which is the, why they've got the spines to protect them from potentially being eaten. Okay. So that's why they've got them. Right. And tell me about where they live. Now, today we've come, we're in our five acres nature reserve and we've come down to this log pile. T mm. Tell me why, we, why you've brought us here to talk about hedgehogs then. Yeah, so hedgehogs love anything, areas of scrub, so lots of areas of brambles, bushes, um, woodland edges, hedgerows. Um, they just love basically anything where they can kind of get lost in <laughs> and avoid as much predation as possible. And we've come to this log pile um, because it's been left here for quite a while now. The brambles have kind of grown over it, but if anything, that's the perfect home for a hedgehog. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned earlier about surveying mm. hedgehogs. How do you go about doing that? How do you find out this really crucial data? So the best way to do it is obviously we get volunteers involved and we organise different surveys to do. A couple of weeks ago, we did a survey um, here on our nature reserve. Um, so we left out a couple um, footprint tunnels, which are these little triangular tunnels that we use, which has paper and a charcoal and oil mix. So when the hedgehogs walk in this charcoal mix, they walk over the paper and they leave their footprints so we know they're here. And the way to tell a hedgehog's hand is that they basically look like our tiny hands, so almost like a little tiny human hand. So they're quite easy to identify. Um, but yeah, we left these um, tunnels down here. Fortunately, we didn't find any footprints. We found everything else. We found stoats and other things. Mm -hmm. um, but we do know that they are here because there's evidence of them here around and they've been here for like years. I think they've been on here on the site. But I'm sure if I did an intense look around, I'm sure I'd find evidence of their poo and other footprints if I really looked. Mm. So yeah, they're here. <laughs> and with, with those surveys, have you done them elsewhere and, and found evidence Yeah, we of were them? planning to. Um, I think we're going to do some soon. If not, we're doing them next year and really kind of push, push for them to go out. Um, but obviously it's been quite a dry summer, so there hasn't been a lot of insects for them to feed on. So we believe that it's been quite a difficult year for them. But hopefully next year will be the year for hedgehogs. <laughs> and when you do the service, do you have to put food in those tunnels? Yeah, to, so um, we usually put cat food, especially wet cat food, because it stinks and they have a really good sense of smell. And if they smell that, they're on their way almost instantly. And we'll love to have a little nibble on that. So um, yeah, we usually use just yeah stinky cat or dog food. Uh, but no fish, they don't eat fish, but yeah, they'll love that. Okay, and um, let's go back to that question that we, where we started mm -hmm. of their decline and, and how threatened they are. What's, what's caused that? It's hard to pinpoint one thing because it's basically a collection of everything. Um, farming is one, kind of roads as well, um, kind of too, like, sterile gardens is also a bad thing for them because um, we are finding that they're more common in urban and suburban landscapes than they are in rural landscapes due to farming and there's just not enough space for them. 
So they're coming into our gardens and a lot of people now have quite sterile gardens where it's very clean cut and um, which is not great for them. They need lots of areas of hiding and to kind of get lost in someone's garden. So yeah, that's the main thing, but uh, it's, it's a combination of um, a bit of everything. Right. Yeah. So tell me about, let's, let's be really practical, mm -hmm. in my garden, mm -hmm. what do I need to do to make that more hedgehog friendly? So there's lots of things you can do. If, if you do like your garden being a bit more tidy, you can just leave one little corner and just leave it kind of for Mother Nature to just go ham and just kind of go in there with all sorts of like, just kind of grow natural native species, brambles and all that. Um, but also you can leave hedgehog boxes, um, you can build them yourself or we're, we're also building them here at the Trust um, and we did sell a few at the Open Garden events which was amazing and we've also volunteered, had volunteers come and help us build them and take them to their gardens which is lovely as well so having a box is really nice for them as well, keeps Brilliant. them safe. And if I wanted to, to build a hedgehog box mm -hmm. myself, mm -hmm. what, what would I do? Is there any guidance? Yeah, I mean, you can go online. There's loads of stuff that we have on the Cornwall Wildlife Trust website that has like tips and tricks of how to build one. But also we are selling them still at the Cornwall Wildlife Trust um, at our Five Acres Nature Reserve as well. So Great. yeah, people can contact us that way and um, purchase their own. So let, we'll get a link in the show notes for that. Yeah. I think that would be really good. Okay, any other gardening tips then? So yeah, leaving an area that's... wild, building a, building mm -hmm. a hedgehog home anything else yeah um, you can use alternatives to chemical pesticides because pesticides is one of the main issues that they face because obviously the use of pesticides means there's not enough food for them so either the there's not enough insects for them to eat but also they can eat the pesticides themselves and directly poison themselves so it's just generally not great to use but alternatives include salt seaweed um, coffee grounds as well and also um, citrus as well like citrusy kind of um, fruits and stuff um, because obviously a lot of people complain that they have cats um, in their gardens digging up stuff so if you leave a little kind of orange slice cats usually leave it away but yeah there's lots of different alternatives you can do so all sorts of things that, mm -hmm. that anyone listening to this can do for hedgehogs yeah yeah and 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 hopefully once you've raised that awareness that they're threatened people are motivated mm -hmm. to do that as well yeah yeah definitely what about um fences and uh, between gardens yes yeah, so um a lot of people um obviously have fences around the gardens nowadays we want to own a little space um but a lot of way we can encourage uh, the connectivity between environments is cutting a little 13 by 13 centimeter hole into your fence which allows them to basically pass in and out of your garden safely um, because obviously you don't want them to get trapped in your garden where there'll be lack of food and sufficient space. Mm. So yeah, providing a little tunnel allows them to just kind of go in and out of people's gardens because they can travel up to two miles a night. So they can go pretty far. Um, so obviously they need to be able to travel easily. Yeah. And now thinking of things that we're doing at Cornwall Wildlife Trust, last year we sent out a survey to to lots of homes in Cornwall asking them to report mm. um, hedgehog sightings. Have you got any comments about how that went? And Yeah, that went amazingly. Um, we didn't, we weren't expecting the massive influx of respondents that we got. Um, we got thousands of respondents, um, which was like amazing. And um, yeah, we want to thank all the people that got involved with that. Um, but yeah, it was honestly amazing with all the responses. We didn't realize how uh, much people loved hedgehogs and wanted to get involved. So it was amazing. Um, and yeah, from that we're doing it again this year, which is going to be amazing because hopefully we're going to get just the amount of respondents and um, yeah, we've got lots of volunteers that are going to get involved and help us process that data so we can get it all out there. 
people to use. And have you got any hopes for what that data might tell us? Or? Yeah, so we want to figure out more where they are, um, kind of what time of year are they most active, so that we can kind of hopefully in the future focus on doing surveys at a certain time of year. We know that they come out of hibernation around Easter time and then go back in it in November. So we know that they're around during that time, but we want to kind of focus it more on when's the best time to do surveys for them in the future. So yeah, it's just figuring out, yeah, where they are and um, whether or not there's enough connectivity within a town, because obviously if you only get a few people in one village, but in all the neighboring villages, there's no answers. We know that there's not enough connectivity, so we can hopefully improve those areas connectivity. Okay. So, and again, we'll put the link in the show notes to mm -hmm. that survey. If anyone's listening to this and um, wants to take part, if they've seen a hedgehog. Yeah. Um, really obvious question. Mm -hmm. Why are they called hedgehogs? So originally they were actually called urchins. Um, so we used to refer to them as urchins, which actually led to the naming of sea urchins. That's how sea urchins were called sea urchins, because we were like, oh, they look like a hedgehog. But then over time we um, changed the name to hedgehog because they were always found near hedgerows. And they also are quite noisy animals. A lot of people don't realise this, but they do make a lot of grunting noises similar to pigs, which ended up leading to their name the hog. hog as well. So yeah, That's hedgehogs, where that comes from. Yeah. So very noisy animals. <laughs> What's your favourite thing about hedgehogs then? Ooh, favourite thing? That's quite difficult. Hmm. I think um, my favourite thing is the fact that they are just such little animals, but they travel such huge distances. I mean, usually the territory that they have can be, be between 10 to 20 hectares of land that they cover, which is massive for such a small animal. And it's uh, I quite like how just... Even though they're little, they can go a long way, and that's amazing. And that's that's also encourages the importance of connectivity between connectivity. land because they need they need to travel that land. It's just yeah, amazing. Do you know how fast they can go? I'm not entirely sure how fast they can go, but I so know it's a lot of distance. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> they, if they want to run, they can they can go quicker than people expect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think the take home message from this is that <clears throat> we underestimate hedgehogs yes, in all sorts of ways, and. Um, and I think particularly that message of we're underestimating their decline. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Ella, all the best for all the work you're doing with hedgehogs. Uh, just before you go, I'm going I'm to end with um, a question which I'm asking all of my guests on the World Cornwall podcast, mm -hmm. uh, which is I want you to imagine that you uh, get stranded on our wonderful Lew Island oh, Nature Reserve. Brilliant. <laughs> which sounds like a great, great place to spend. Uh, and you've got a year to spend there. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, you've got all the basic things you need, like mm -hmm. food and water um, but I'm, I'm giving you four things to take a book uh, an album and the means to to play that album some kind of luxury item and a year's supply of your favorite Ooh. cornish edible so what what are your what's your list so book to yeah. start with so um my favorite current book is the traveling cat chronicles which is actually a japanese book that was uh, translated into english and it's basically about this cat's story going from a stray, ends up finding this lovely owner, but then this owner eventually can't look after him anymore. So he goes around to all his friends and you kind of look into different people's lives and it's quite interesting, a very wholesome kind of little book, but also the cat is quite sarcastic and funny. So I, I quite like reading that book, it's quite funny. Sounds great. And what about your album? Ooh, album. Ooh, it was, I, I was thinking about this and um, it's gotta be between Demon Days by Gorillaz 
or Meteora by Linkin Park. It's, okay, it's and of course you just yeah. won. You've only got one for the Ooh, year. Oh, Demon Days has got to be okay. thrillers. <laughs> Your luxury item on Lou Island? My luxury item. So in my spare time, I love to draw, sketch and write. So I bring like a little sketchbook and some pens maybe, um, just so that I can kind of um, draw what I see, but also document my journey. So if something goes wrong, people can figure out what happened. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't. And then finally, your Cornish edible, favourite favorite Cornish Ooh, item? It's got to be a pasty. It has to be. I mean, it's like you can, a, lo a pasty can go a long way. Um, so it would be very useful, especially if it gets a bit cold, to just grab a hot pasty. And Brilliant. just, that, that and just standard traditional steak or cheese and onion Ooh. or what would you like? I don't mind any, honestly. Right. I'll take any. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't push you to, to ask your favourite brand of pasty. But um, let's just finish then by, by thinking about the rest of your time as an apprentice, but also your hopes for the future. So mm -hmm. how long have you got left as an apprentice? So I, mine is like 12 months, so I finish in March. And basically I'm using this time to basically learn as much as I possibly can, which is why I'm doing a bit of everything with everyone and also hopefully getting um, licenses as well to help kind of survey and do stuff with certain animals. Um, but yeah, going on from here, my absolute dream is to study maned wolves in South America. So they're a very um, rare and elusive animal. They are, well, we, we refer them to wolves, but they're actually not. They're not a wolf or a fox. They're, in, they're the only member of their genus, which is Chrysocoan. I think that's how you pronounce it. And they're called maned wolves. Maned wolves, yep. yeah. They're called maned wolves, but um, yeah, they're not actually a wolf. They're a completely separate own thing. Um, and yeah, I find them so amazing and we don't know a lot about them. So my dream is to go over there and help study them and yeah, improve them. <laughs> well, great. Well, we wish you all the very best with that yeah. and the rest of your apprenticeship. And thank you for all the work you're doing for hedgehogs in Cornwall. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Take care then. Bye-bye. No worries. Bye. That's all for today from the Wild Cornwall podcast. Keep your eyes out for another episode next month. And in the meantime, if you want to support our work, head over to our website, www.cornwallwildlifetrust.org.uk to see how you can get involved. Becoming a member takes only two minutes. Goodbye for now.